0: Have you ever made a really bad mistake? One of those things that you just dread having to own up to? You know people are going to be mad at you, there will be some consequences, and you just want to crawl into a hole or hop on a plane and move to Montana. No offense, of course, to our listeners in Montana. But you don't. You own up to what you've done and put one foot in front of the other and start trying to move forward. When we pick up the story of Jonah in Jonah chapter three, our hero is just coming off of one of those mistakes. He finally owned that he ran away from God and from the spiritual needs of a whole city. He caused a lot of pain for a lot of people. And he had a change of heart only after being in a fish for a few days and then got spit out on a beach. Welcome back to Jonah's unexpected journey where we're bringing to life the story of Jonah. This is episode three, Fish Out of Water. So let's just say if you're Jonah, this is not your best moment. But how does God respond to your saliva-covered self? Jonah 3, verse one to two. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. Yep, that's right. God gives you another chance. You are still covered in the grime, literally, of your past mistakes. But does that disqualify you from God's purpose? Does God give up on you? Nope. You might feel totally unworthy because of mistakes or sins in your past, but it turns out that God's purpose is not something you earn. You don't qualify for it. Like Jonah, we all have to learn that God's purpose is bigger than us. That means it's bigger than our abilities, our mistakes, and our flaws. All we need to do is embrace that purpose and, like Jonah, move forward. Jonah 3, verse 3. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. This time. How sweet are those words? Jonah spent the first half of this book rebelling, running away, rejecting God's purpose, and yet this time decides to listen, and that is enough for God. So imagine walking up to this city you've been avoiding at all costs. It looms over you, challenging anyone who dares to enter. At this point, hopefully you've gotten most of the fish slime off of you, though the subtle smell might still linger a little. Your shoes are caked in sand and dirt from all that walking. The scorching heat is killing you, but it's not the only thing making you sweat. The closer you get to the city, the bigger the pit in your stomach grows. These are the people you've spent your whole life hating and expecting Israel to defeat. These are the people who are known for cutting off arms and legs just for fun. And these are the very people you are about to meet face to face so you can help them turn to God. You know you agreed to do this, but maybe you're starting to doubt. As you walk through the city gates, you let it sink in. There's no turning back now. Jonah 3 verse 4. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. All right, you said it. You've done the deed. You got it out. Kind of. You left out some things like God and the fact that the Ninevites could still change. You're trying to do the right thing, but your heart is not totally in it. Still, you did it, you got the message out. So you may be feeling a mix of emotions right now. Maybe some relief, maybe some fear over how the Ninevites will respond. Maybe some doubt over whether this is really what your purpose is meant to be. Let's take a minute to pause and reflect. Do you ever start moving forward in one direction and begin to doubt whether you're going the right way? Maybe your life isn't turning out the way you thought it would, or people around you question your decisions. In these times, it's hard to know whether God has a purpose for you, or if what you're doing is the right thing. What Jonah will teach us is that our purpose is never a what, but always a who. It's never about what we accomplish, but who we love and help. Throughout this series, we've been getting some nuggets of insight from our Editor-in-Chief, Russ Ewell, who recently did a talk on the book of Jonah. Russ, what do you think is important for us to take away from Jonah's experience of making a mistake and getting a second chance to live out God's purpose for him?
1: Probably the most important thing involves two mistakes I made. And these mistakes were getting in God's way of fulfilling the purpose of other people. So I had two good friends. Uh, One of them wanted to be in the ministry and the other one, he wanted to uh, uh, kind of retreat in his life. And go back after graduating from college and everything and go back and live with his parents to save money. And I said to the one who wanted to be in the ministry, I said, you know, because he, he kept not getting a good job for himself. And he was always taking these jobs that really couldn't pay all of his bills and, and, and couldn't take care of his life because he was trying to put all of his energy into trying to be able to make it in the ministry. And so I was really worried about him and his finances and his life. And so I told him, stop trying to go into the ministry. It's not happened for you. It's never going to happen. Stop doing that and get focused on getting a great job and taking care of your life. And he did go ahead and focus on getting a great job. But about five years later, he was hired into the ministry and made it in the ministry. And he became really great at the ministry. And he and I laugh about this because even though I was trying to take care of his life, I tried to kill his dream, thinking that would make him take care of his life. Huge mistake on my part. What should you learn from that story? You should learn that there will be people that will tell you, including people like me, you can't do something. That doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to do it. And he and I laugh about that because I was wrong and God was right. And he ended up being in the ministry, still in the ministry and really good at it. Another story, is I had another friend who was, like I told you, he wanted to move back in with his parents. I was like, you're too old to be moving back in with your parents. Take responsibility for your life. And he and I went back and forth, and he's like, I'm still going to do it, Russ. I appreciate your advice. And I said, okay, well, you know, you got to make your own decisions. And that was good for me to do that because I had been in a church culture that didn't always allow people to make their own decisions and try to always make sure they did exactly what they were being told by another individual. So he moved back in and he ended up getting his finances in control and he ended up being able to build his life. And he and I had been friends for a long, long, long time now. And he also ended up working in Washington, D.C. in the White House. And so I was wrong. If he had listened to me, he would have never ended up working in the White House. So guess what? There will be people in your life who think they know what God wants for your life and they are so certain, but really they're wrong. Now, one last thing on that, some of us are going to say, great, Amy talked about the fact that, you know, we want to run away to Montana. And some of us will be like, yeah, God's will for my life is that I move to the island of, of Maui and, and live there by myself in a hut and, 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 and write the write, uh, books for people to believe in God. Well, you know, I think we have to take a step back and say not everything we want to do is what God wants us to do. Here's what I can tell you about the friends I told you about. The decisions they, did, they made led to more people becoming Christians. And that's really how you know. The decision God was trying to get Jonah to make was leading to more people becoming Christians. And so people ask, how do I know God's will? If it doesn't lead to more people gaining faith in God and knowing God, then you have to take a pause and go, is this really the direction I ought to go in? But ultimately, no matter what I said, no matter what anybody said, no matter what mistakes my friends had made, God had a plan for them, and that plan got done. Jonah, what a great story. It helped me a lot. I hope it helps you.
0: Thanks, Russ. It helps to remember that our purpose is never determined by circumstances, people's opinions, or even our own mistakes, but rather by God putting us in the times and places we need to be to love and help others. So how do the violent, merciless Ninevites respond to Jonah's mm, half-hearted warning? Let's jump back in the story and find out. Jonah 3, verse 5 to 9. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. Wow. So you say your piece and brace for the reaction. Remember, your people and the Ninevites do not get along you are certainly not thinking they're going to completely change their ways. And you didn't even tell them to change. All you said was they were going to be destroyed. But it doesn't matter how you said it. The Ninevites respond not to an amazing and beautifully crafted speech from you, but to God's word. How crazy would that be to see? You walk into a city full of dark and twisted people. People who are angry, violent, and cold-hearted. Maybe as you walk through Nineveh, you witness people stealing from each other, or getting into fights every other block. And then, minutes later, they transform before your eyes. Those hardened glares soften into tears. And people are so sad and upset, they start tearing at their clothes. Even the king, the leader, who probably initiated a lot of the evil and violence of the Ninevites, throws his crown on the ground tears his royal robe and puts on a sack. You don't even need to say what they need to do to change. The king does it himself. This is not what you expected from the violent people you had heard so much about. Let's take another minute to pause and reflect about this. Jonah had resisted God's call to help the Ninevites because he had a view of them that convinced him they didn't deserve God's mercy. But God didn't think that way. He gave the Ninevites a second chance, not unlike the second chance he gave Jonah. Jonah spent so much of his energy judging and assuming the worst about them that he never took the time to think about what they needed. Maybe under their violent lifestyle was pain or hurt or fear. Maybe this way of living was all they had known. No matter their background, Jonah had made his assumption about them and decided they weren't worth the trouble of saving. Is there anyone you have this mindset toward? They may not be as outright evil as the Assyrians, but maybe they get on your nerves, or maybe they're just mean. Maybe you've tried befriending them, but felt rejected. Whoever it is in your life that may seem unlovable, consider whether God has you in their life for a reason. God sees who people are underneath their walls. He sees each of us for who we are, humans, in need of love. What relationships in your life would change if you saw them the way God sees them? Jonah 3 verse 10, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. God responds to a change of heart. Just like God gave Jonah a second chance, he's giving the Ninevites one too. And imagine the joy of the people of that city as they realize God sees them and is giving them a totally undeserved new start. So, Jonah finally speaks to the people of Nineveh, the people radically change, and God has mercy on them. Everyone celebrates, and they all live happily ever after. The end. Right? Maybe, maybe not. One thing's for sure, Jonah never does what we expect him to do. And we still have one chapter left. Will Jonah be excited to help more people like the Assyrians, or does he still have a lot to learn about God's mercy and God's purpose? Find out next week in our final episode of Jonah's Unexpected Journey. This was episode three of Jonah's Unexpected Journey by Deep Spirituality. A quick note about our narrations. Our storytelling is based on the Bible, historical research, and our best guess. Only the Bible verses are the inspired Word of God, and the storytelling is added to help us experience the scriptures as if we were there. If you like what you heard today, make sure to subscribe and drop us a line at podcast at deepspirituality.com.